God told me to marry a prostitute. No, not my words, but the opening words of Hosea. What a shocking thing to say that God, this pure, holy God, has told me to marry a prostitute. And not only that, but to go and have children with her as well. And what a way to start your book. Talk about grabbing the attention of your readers. I'm going to marry a prostitute, and God has told me to go and do it. It's bound to get the pages turning, isn't it? Well, it's interesting that with the prophet of Hosea, which is the first of our minor prophets, and probably the oldest of our minor prophets, taking place in the middle of the 8th century before Christ, Hosea, this prophet, doesn't actually just give words of what God has given to him, but places himself right on the center of the stage in this story that he's about to tell. Hosea says, I'm in the middle of this story, I'm the leading part in this story, and I'm about to marry a prostitute and have children with her. And the story starts to unravel. And I hope that uh, maybe after this morning, you'll go and sit in one sitting, you can do it so short, read again the tremendous gripping story of Hosea and the powerful message that God gets across to his people. So as I say, Hosea is an ancient uh, prophet. He prophesied around the same time as Isaiah. This was during a time when the land of Israel, as we know it today, was divided into two. Israel, as we know it today, is all one country. In those days, Israel was just the northern bit of the country, and in the south was Judea. Now, whilst Isaiah prophesied to the southern kingdom of Judea, Hosea prophesied to the northern kingdom of Israel. This kingdom remained divided for about four centuries, for around 400 years. And during this 400-year period, 19 kings ruled in the northern kingdom. And the Bible tells us that each one of those kings did evil in the sight of the Lord. The people of that kingdom didn't have much chance, did they? 19 kings ruled the land, and all 19 of them were evil kings. It was a time when the northern kingdom of Israel was in spiritual and moral decline. God had brought the children out of Egypt and given the promised land back to them, but now the land was spiraling away from God to the point where no longer were they God's people in God's land. And the time would come when God would depose them again and exile them to a different land. The same applied to the southern kingdom of Judah as well. And the prophets down in the southern kingdom acted just like God's warning bells. You know, it was sort of shape up or ship out. Get yourself sorted or else God will take you out of his land again. And eventually, sadly, that would happen as we will see later. The peoples of the northern kingdom of Israel were exiled by the Assyrians up there in the northeast. And Judah, the southern kingdom, was exiled by King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians down in the east and the southeast. So Hosea and other prophets were dispatched to warn the people that God is a just God and he will judge them and he will respond to their disobedience. But God is also a God of love. God's relationship with his people is not built on fear. 
but actually built on his deep love for them. Like any healthy marriage, God's covenant relationship with his people is more than just a formal legal arrangement between two parties. It is a pact that is rooted in the love of God. So it's probably worth just pausing a moment to consider what our relationship is like this morning with God. Because God doesn't want our relationship just to be something that is formal or something that is just something that we take for granted. God doesn't want our relationship to be any different to that which he was requiring of Israel 8th century before Christ. I hope that our relationship with God is not built upon fear or upon duty or about on habits or upon, upon family or peer pressures. But I hope that we have a strong covenant relationship with God which is rooted and grounded in God's deep love for us. The kind of love that we've already been speaking about and singing about and listening of in our meeting here this morning. The love that God permeates the prayer that Paul made for the Ephesian church. And I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the power together with all God's people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's the love. That's the relationship that God wants us to have. And it's the love and the covenant relationship that we have with God that George Matheson wrote about in a hymn that he penned over a century ago. Oh, love that will not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe that in thine ocean depths its flow may richer, fuller be. That's the love of God. That deep ocean full of God's deep love. That is what should be at the heart of our relationship with him. But let's turn back to Hosea, and I want to introduce you to Gomer. Hosea married Gomer. And the Bible tells us that she was the daughter of Diblem and that she was a prostitute. Those are the only two things we know about her. She was a promiscuous woman and she was an unfaithful wife. And this is the woman that this man of God was asked to marry and to have children with. Why did God ask Hosea to do such a shocking thing as that? The answer is because it provided a glorious visual sermon that God wanted to preach to the people in Israel. In Hosea, we read that, like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to God. Just as as Gomer was unfaithful to, um, to, to, to her husband, so Israel had been unfaithful to God. When God brought Israel out of captivity in Egypt, he told them, I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. And this was the covenant relationship that God had with his people. But his people had now spiraled away from him. They had departed from their God and they had broken that relationship. Just like an adulterous wife, Israel, is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord, then this is happening too with this human relationship. And as we also read in Hosea, 
Israel has forgotten their maker. What a devastating blow it was for God to announce that. Israel has forgotten their maker. The problem with Israel in the mid-8th century BC is that they were too self-sufficient. Most people had money. Most people had food. Most people had clothing. And most people thought they don't need God any longer. They had become a secular nation relying upon their material and commercial resources. They thought that they had all the wisdom and all the knowledge that is needed. And even those who were religious, many of them had just turned religion into a ritual habit of meaningless service. And the result of all this is that we see a nation, a secular nation, that had, been, had completely forgotten God. Aren't you glad that you don't live in a world like that? The answer is we do, don't we? We live in a, a society exactly like that. And that's why these minor prophets and why these ancient texts are so worth reading today. Because their messages are so relevant to us. These are very ancient texts, but they speak right into our world in 2017. The world in which you live and in which I live. The world in which we are still gra grappling for this relationship with God. I wonder whether in the, in the midst of the secularization of our world that we are still able to swim in the deep ocean of God's love or have we also forgotten God's love? Is our service for God just empty? Is it just a round of rituals and duty? Or do you still love God? And is that love growing and constantly getting deeper? You see, this is a message for us to listen to as well this morning. But having introduced you to Gomer, uh, Hosea's wife, uh, they, they had some children. So can I introduce you to the family? Uh, they had three children, actually. And um, if you remember, God said to Hosea, don't only marry Gomer, but have children as well. And they had three children. And the children, actually, as well, became part of the prophetic message which God gave to the children of Israel. So let me introduce the children to you one by one. Um, God named their firstborn son Jezreel. Uh, Jezreel is a Hebrew, Hebrew word, and the Hebrew word Jezreel means God scatters. God scatters. That name had meaning. First of all, it would have remind, reminded Israel that some years prior to Hosea, there was a military commander called Jehu who slaughtered uh, thousands and thousands of people. God promised retribution that one day he would scatter the people. But it also would be a prophecy of something that was yet to be. Because just after Hosea, towards the end of his prophecy, the Assyrians, as you saw on that map, the Assyrians did actually come into that northern kingdom of Israel. And they didn't go around killing the people or anything like that, but they scattered the people. You know, the Jews like to be together. They're very much a covenant people, and they do uh, glue together as families. But God scattered them, just like throwing seed up into the wind. God scattered them. They went here, there, and everywhere. Some of them went off to Assyria. Some went off into Asia Minor. Some of them went down into the center of that land and formed another kingdom. Some of those Jews intermarried the foreigners that came in 
and they made a new kingdom called Samaria. This is the start of the Samaritan nation. But also, it's a prophecy about the far future for us too. Because today, Jezreel is a fertile valley in the northern part of Israel. And there is an old um, ancient ruin there called Megiddo. And Megiddo is often, often mentioned in the Bible. It's a place of many battles. And one day, Megiddo will be the place, it is prophesied, where there'll be a, a battle of Armageddon. You see the connection of Megiddo, Megiddo. And this is where the battle of Armageddon will take place during the last days, as revealed in John's Revelation and chapter 16. So the birth of this child was full of prophecy of things that had happened in the past, the things that were about to happen, and things that would happen in the distant future. Next, a daughter was born, whom God named Lo-Ruhamah. And again, this is a Hebrew word, and the Hebrew word means no mercy. Lo-Ruhamah means no mercy. God had shown amazing mercy to Israel. He showed amazing mercy for caring for his, his children, especially as they wandered through the wilderness for 40 years. God had cared for his people, showed them tremendous mercy. But now God was saying that because of their disobedience, he would show them no mercy to this disobedient generation. And finally, a second son was born whom God names Lo-Ami. And again, another Hebrew word which means not my people. Remember, God had chosen this nation to be his people. Israel was to be the children of God. But now God is warning that because they were now not his people anymore, that he would not be their God anymore. They were no longer God's people habiting God's land. It was a devastating message for Israel that this generation would be scattered, that this generation would receive no mercy from God, and that this generation would not be my people. God would, first of all, withdraw his protection. God would be saying to this people that he would have no mercy on them, and in doing so, would withdraw his pardon. And God is saying to a people who were his special chosen people, that they are now not his people, and in doing so, God withdraws his presence from them. What a devastating message Hosea was giving to the children of Israel. Withdrawing his protection, withdrawing his pardon, and withdrawing his presence. The breakdown of a relationship between Israel and God, which had resulted in this devastating message which Hosea was now giving to these people. No wonder that Hosea has sometimes been called the prophet of the sorrowful heart. It's always sad when there's a relationship breakdown. And I guess most of us have experienced uh, relationship breakdowns of one kind or another in our lives. A breakdown of a marriage, a breakdown of a parent and child relationship, a breakdown among siblings, a breakdown within friendships. It's always sad when that happens. And it's also really sad when the breakdown happens with God. It's painful and it's sorrowful. So it's also true that when our relationship with God is broken, 
that we can have that sorrow as well within our hearts. And it's worth asking a question, how, how is my relationship with God today? How is your relationship with God this morning? How can we ensure that our relationship that we hopefully have with God this morning doesn't break down at some point in the future? But as we will often see in these minor prophets, these prophets do give out warning. They do give out some possibility of God giving judgment upon them. But these prophets are also full of hope and full of God's love. And they often point to a better day. And they often point to the coming of Jesus, the Savior of the world. And remember, above all, Hosea is a love story, not a sorrowful story. God does still love the children of Israel. So here's a question. Does God love a disobedient child? Well, of course he does. Does a parent love a child when that child is disobedient? Well, of course, a parent may re rebuke that child, but it doesn't stop that parent from loving that child. And God still loved the children of Israel. Of course, God does. John Garrens wrote these lyrics for his musical based on Hosea. You can't stop God from loving you, though you may disobey him. You can't stop God from loving you, however you betray him. From love like this, no power on earth the human heart can sever. You can't stop God from loving you. Not God, not now, nor ever. God had not given up on his people. In Hosea, God was saying that Israel has no mercy and that they are not his people. But there is also a simple but glorious invitation in the book of Hosea, and it's this. Return, Israel, to the Lord your God. Chapter 14, verse 1. I would say that's the key theme in the whole of this book of Hosea. People of Israel... People of Israel who are no longer receiving God's mercy, who are no longer the people of God, return to the Lord your God. There is a way back. As Gomer returned to Hosea, so the Israelites will return and seek their God, as we read in chapter 3, verse 5. Grounded in love, relationship is at the heart of this message. And Jesus came to bring about man's reconciliation with God. Remember John 3, 16, for the great love, love verse, isn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus, he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Hosea speaks about the breakdown of man's relationship with God, but also promises God's love, and also God promises God's amazing grace, and also God promises God's forgiveness on these people. And Jesus will make it happen. No one sums it up better than Peter in his first letter. You know, Peter as a Jew would have known the Scriptures far better than we do. And Peter would have known the book of Hosea inside out. And can you hear Hosea in, in his letter here when Peter wrote that first century church and wrote to them about wanting to, to keep on track with, with God to, and to keep on track loving Jesus in their mind, reminding the people of God and particularly reminding the Gentile uh, believers that once, although they weren't a people of God, 
now they're in a relationship with God. And here um, are these words. And I want to conclude this message this morning on Hosea by quoting these words from the New Testament. Words which are a fulfillment of the promise found in Hosea. But you, says Peter, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received his mercy, but now you have received mercy. What a wonderful love story. And what a wonderful love story for Israel that those, those people who were warned that they would receive no mercy, that they would not be any more God's people, are now receiving this promise through Jesus. Once you who were not a people of God, now are the people of God. You who had not received the mercy of God, now have received his mercy. And the invitation given through Hosea is available for you and for me this morning. If you have already accepted Jesus as your Savior, thank him for adopting you into his family this morning. Thank him for the mercy and pardon that you have received. If this morning you have moved away from God, here is an invitation for you to return to. This is an ancient text, but this is a message for this morning. And maybe a message just for you to return to the Lord your God. And if you have yet to find Jesus, if you have yet to kneel and to accept Christ into your life, he is here. And you can accept his invitation right now to receive his love, to receive his grace, to receive his mercy, to receive his peace. This is God's moment for you this morning too. So let us sing some words, again taken from the musical Hosea. If human heart, sorry, don't assume that God's dismissed you from his mind. Don't assume that God's forgotten to be kind, for no matter what you do, his love still follows you. Don't think that you have left him far behind, for his love remains the same. He knows you by your name. Don't think because you failed him, he despairs, for he gives to those who ask, his grace for every task. God plans for you in love, for he still cares.